my name is Riya Talita and this is the first episode of Clear Blue Skies, a podcast that is currently an attempt for me to archive my course Experiencing Ambedkar or as it's known in my university, Poly 341C001. I'm a fourth year political science student. Um, I'm from New Delhi. And um, if you're wondering how the hell I have a course of my own, uh, that's because my university has this like program called the Student Directed Seminars, where you guessed it, students can direct their own seminars. Um, I've been working on and brainstorming about this course for the better part of 2020. And finally, it's here and I've just finished the first week of classes. Throughout the process of me coming up with this course, I've also been thinking of, you know, how to archive it and like with the help of like friends This is the idea that seemed the most accessible, both to me and to other people who might potentially be interested in this project that I'm kind of curating. Um, This is also, I've been told, quite a historic project because people don't really study Ambedkar, like they hardly study him in India. And for that reason, I guess, is historic, which is honestly the worst, worst type of historicness, historicity. It just shows, again, how marginalized uh, a particular ideology or person or community is. And in this case, it's all three. That being said... My course is called uh, Experiencing Ambedkar. And if your background is anything like mine, which is to say uh, you sort of grow up in a major Indian city, or any Indian city really, and you go through one of the charming school board systems the only thing you kind of know of Ambedkar is sort of roughly that he's the architect of India's constitution and nothing else much but a whole course about Ambedkar like it is only three months but is there even enough to sort of study and learn obviously I think there is Um, The other interesting thing that I'm doing, well, I think it's interesting, is basically that this is a theory course. So we're studying Ambedkar's writings and not so much his historical legacy or his political position in Indian history or like the history of the freedom struggle or early governance of free India. This is because of my personal and often very desert island opinion of theory, but 
is in that I find it extremely fascinating and way more interesting than the more swanky international relations or comparative politics. One of my favorite theorists, Bell Hooks, in her fantastic book, Teaching to Transgress, says that any theory that cannot be shared in everyday conversations cannot be used to educate the public. And the thing about Ambedkar and the thing about his writing, really, is that his huge body of work is extremely accessible. It's accessible in, you know, the literal meaning of the word access, that you can find PDFs of everything that he's written, like, free. um, The government of Maharashtra has a website, and there's loads of other, like, Ambedkarite and Nayakana Buddhist websites that give out these texts. Um, Also in paper in India, there's loads of places like you can pick them up like in sort of these weird little zine formats. So he is super accessible. His language is super accessible. He's a beautiful writer, very eloquent, but so easy to understand. The issue is that he's not shared in everyday everyday conversations, or at least not in the mainstream sort of discourse. It's new there, but not new to Ambedkarites, not new to the margins of society that have always remembered his legacy. Because like, let's be real, right? This is a course, this, this project, it's a labor of love that was born out of COVID, essentially. Like, this is a podcast that I'm starting during this global pandemic like there's no bigger cliche again if i'm being extremely honest covid may have been when i sort of do the legwork and the administrative um desperate emailing to sort of get this show on the road but the part where i freaked out about life and these ideas and basically angsted about it happened through 2019 and 2019 this last well no two years now india descended and continues to descend into a genocidal frenzy and morass of intolerant violence and as this i want to say insanity and inhumanity but it was not it was very very desperately human as this was happening, um, admits like, you know, the clamor and the din, Ambedkar's legacy sort of rose from the ashes of this horribly twisted idea of India. Took out he was everywhere. Of India, and then amongst them emerged Chandrasekhar with a picture of B.R. Ambedkar and the constitution in his hand. This is a defiance of sorts and this is extremely tricky. Like he was I everywhere, said, the police right, in protests. In chants. In the internet, in reading groups, and obviously in my heart and in my mind. He was a polymath. He was a philosopher, an economist, an academic, a lawyer, um, a friend, a very good friend. He was funny and an excellent writer and 
he had a lot of style, he had a lot of flash, but he was someone whose heart really bled, you know, for the cause of equality, for the cause of justice, and for the upliftment of his people, and not in the way that a lot of people sort of regard, you know, Dalits or oppressed castes as like something to be pitied and something that they can sort of do their little corporate social work and, you know, get their little good boy points out of. Like, for him, his work, his life, his labor was a matter of um, emancipation, of liberation. And in this, you know, liberal, whatever, Indian view, even the mainstream, like, outside of India view of Ambedkar is so unidimensional, right? It's either kind of dismissive of him as, like, this activist, you know, this this person who, like, used identity politics, or it's just, like, unquestioningly reverent. And, like, I think... Ambedkar, he's just, he's so cool. Like, he was someone who really lived to his convictions. He was not afraid to change his mind. He had very real relationships with the other political giants of his time. And also with like so many people part of like the different movements that he was part of like he was a real man of the people you know and this course this podcast this whole project of mine it's an ode like it's an old school Grecian urn style ode it's a measure of devotion right um I'm gonna be following along um in the podcast to the themes of my syllabus and my syllabus follows along to the chronology of Ambedkar's life. Um, I'm also going to be talking to um, Ambedkarite friends and comrades and experts, um, people who have read a lot more than me, who know a lot more than me, and in many cases who have loved Ambedkar a lot longer than I have. I'm also going to be talking to, you know, my fellow student participants. Um, And I say student participants, again, to emphasize another sort of feature about this course, which is that I'm not an expert. And so this whole project is a very amateur sort of style from an amateur point of view. It is born out of my love I guess for Ambedkar and like my very new found understanding of this community whether it be you know Ambedkarite or Dalit Bahujan or just in general a result of my reckoning of what actually of who Rava is actually the subaltern in India. Like, what does it actually mean to decolonize from an Ambedkarite perspective and not from the 
just mainstream upper caste upper class indian intellectual understanding of brownness and subalternity and like decoloniality this course as i mentioned before is called experiencing ambedkar and i also talked about like some of the people that i'm going to have on here who can like to talk to but i also wish i could have had my great grandfather on um he's kind of a family legend um i've grown up being told stories about him about how he sort of read five newspapers every morning and like he quote shakespeare all the time and he had so many hundreds of friends and um we've also recently found out that he was a huge follower fan and a devotee of ambedkar he apparently also used to very proudly say that um you know us his family were beefeating dalits from varutur and i think he would have been really excited by this podcast like i really think he would have been excited and would have had a lot to say i wish i could have known him of course even though like back to the past right cuz like in to a lot of people uh, especially like i guess people unfamiliar with ambedkar like it does seem a little bit of like a blast from the past and of course you know talking about theory and like political theory like i think there's a reason that um i'm one of the few people in my course to like kind of specialize in political theory as opposed to the other brands of it you know it there is this understanding of it as very elitist and kind of like about these old white dead men and the thing is i think I believe in like theories liberatory potential but more than that I believe in like the revolutionary reality of Ambedkar's words I believe that his is a living legacy and more than that it's not I mean it's not just me that thinks that right like the current administration of my country like they clearly do see ambedkar i thought as a threat this past ambedkar jayanti that is april 14th 2020 um anantal tumde a very prominent dalit intellectual was arrested and i won't get into the whole details of the alagar parishad and the series of and i'm just going to say unlawful unjust arrests that took place but clearly if the government is so threatened by um an aging academic the annihilation of caste is written in december 30 1936 ambedkar began his public career when he came back from england okay Before that, 1913 to 16, he was in Columbia University. He did his masters, did his PhD, and who, by the way, is one of the authors on my reading list. And how many people can say that one of the authors on their college reading list is currently under arrest on false charges?
made up charges, unlawful charges. He was arrested, as I said, on Ambedkar Jayanti, the 129th Ambedkar Jayanti. And he was arrested because he is a prominent Dalit intellectual, because he is Ambedkar's grandson-in-law, because he speaks up and doesn't stop and has a presence and dares to stand up both to the current administration as well as to the heinous machinery that is, you know, upper caste Indian society. All of these things and none of these things and tiny fractions of these things make up the anatomy of someone, of a man who is deemed dangerous, right? Who is a terrorist, who is an urban naxal. All of these made up words to signify very real things. And these very real things are things that most people don't understand. This is what makes me crazy. And the government knows enough that this living legacy of Ambedkar, of his kind of thought of people who do his kind of activism and his kind of like living, that the government recognizes that they are dangerous, right? Because it's not part of the narrative of, I don't know, Hindu-Muslim or like left liberals versus, you know, good sanskari people that they can just keep peddling. Like this whole, whether it's an Ambedkarite story or whether it's a Bahujan sort of Bahujan calculation of the population or, you know, any one of the genuinely subaltern, transformative political affiliations and perspectives that are rooted in the subcontinent, any one of these on their own challenges upper caste, Savarna, supremacy, right? Brahmin supremacy. And this is what makes it dangerous because it doesn't fall into their little theater that they're sort of peddling and posturing with. But, you know, we don't even need to... The thing about this legacy and the thing about this kind of thought is that we don't even need to get into or really criticize the government and their specific little policies, right? Like, this is... I want this to be a record, yes, of me and my thoughts and my intellectual progression during this time, right? But... I also want it to be a positive record of work and the labor and the things that people are doing, whether or not, regardless of what the government is doing and has done. I was reading this memoir by this guy called um, Bhagwan Das, who was Ambedkar's secret, um, research assistant and secretary of sorts during the latter years of his life. And he basically talks about one of the most moving parts is when he talks about how he first sort of came across Ambedkar and he was asking his father um, who the leader of the Dalit community was because, you know, he had like seen that so many other of the communities had their leaders and their standard bearers. And his father basically said, our leader is Umidkar, which is how he saw Ambedkar. And such a beautiful play on Ambedkar's name and Umidkar, which basically sort of translates to the harbinger of hope. How can that not move you? You know, this is 
alive and this is important and it's not just ambedkar's legacy and his works and the amazing writing that he left behind because all of those are phenomenal but it's also the people who are alive right now and what they feel for him and what they do in his name and how they follow his example like like rohit vemula who once wrote i am not inferior to anyone and i have ambedkar on my side I've been hearing this chant since last year and it's one of those call and response ones. The call goes out, Ambedkar Zinda, and the crowd replies, Zinda hai.